so much of being an actor is really, really just getting yourself in a condition where you don't stiffen, tighten, and look different in acting than you are in reality. My name's Lee Foster, and I'm an actor living and working in Chicago. My career is going well, but I know I have a long way to go. I'm determined to become a great actor. If you are too, I hope you'll follow me as I search for the advice and experiences that will help accomplish that goal. This is action. On this episode, acting teacher and author Ron Morosco. I got to know Ron after reading his book, Notes to an Actor. It's a brilliantly simple, easy-to-apply collection of notes on acting. That's it. It has a perfect 5 out of 5 stars on Amazon, and Kirk Douglas said, I think this is the best book on acting I've ever read. Ron Morosco studied acting at the Moscow Art Theater, has a Bachelor of Art from Fordham University, and a Master's of Art and Ph.D. in theater from UCLA. He's currently a professor of theater at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. He continues to act in TV, feature films, and theater, and his list of credits is a mile long. After finishing notes to an actor, I felt the need to thank the man who wrote it, so I found his number, and I called him. We ended up talking shop for an hour and a half, and he offered me a little advice on two auditions I had the following day, one for a national commercial, the other for the TV show Empire on Fox. I thanked him and said goodbye, and the next day, I followed his advice, and I booked them both. On this second episode of Action, Ron tells me exactly how to prepare to yield the best results in any audition. I mentioned that I wanted to tell you about some feedback that I heard after an audition. Yeah, well, let's start there, and then we can progress to the subject in a more general way. Okay. So uh, so I went in for a TV audition, and the feedback that I got back was that they really liked me, but that they thought, that, oh, and I was super prepared. They were really happy with how prepared I was, which isn't really saying that much. Um, but that they thought I was a little stiff, that they want me to relax a little bit more. They said in order for me from, to go to, from good to great, they need me to relax more. Well, I, I actually think it's probably the biggest, uh, the single biggest thing that actors should work on. Here's, here's what, because I think that, well, let, let me go back to, to, to you originally, and then we'll talk about, because one of the things I wanted to say about general rehearsal is, what what people are a lot of times doing is they're working on a role and um working on a specific role when they're rehearsing and what they what they really end up doing is really just tensing themselves up sometimes working on something uh, if, it can really just be a tensing process and almost um uh, backfire one of the things i begin the chapter in my my book on rehearsals saying you know, don't take the watch apart because a lot of times, and I actually quote the the Hippocratic oath that doctors have take, which is one of the things they say is first do no harm. <laughs> and if rehearsing makes a performance worse, you're 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 doing it wrong. And a lot of times, actors are are doing harm to themselves. I think in general, the difference between good and bad actors has to do with a certain kind of relaxation with who they are in the world. And I I might have even said this in one of our podcasts before that if I did a 10 I could do a 10 second film silent of one actor walking onto a stage and sitting in a chair and another actor walking onto a stage and sitting in a chair. Just that 10 seconds, nothing more than that, and you would know who the better actor was. Mhm. 
because the better actor would be more self-possessed physically, would walk like they weren't apologizing, would sit in a way that a human being sit that didn't have any of the slight stiffness or slight awareness mm-hmm. that comes into a body when they think they're performing. Mm-hmm. And another example I give is if you had silent footage of somebody uh, in a rehearsal being side coached by a, a, a director and having stopping their performance, having a little small discussion with an off-camera director, and then starting up again, chances are in their body dynamics you would know when they started up acting and when they weren't. Right. Acting. Another thing I sometimes have people do is go online. And look at a celebrity. Look at anybody. Look at any actor you like. And your chances are you'll be able to tell in one second if the picture is them in an acting performance or if it's them not acting. Now, in some cases it'll be obvious because if they're on a red carpet, they're you know not acting per se or whatever. But sometimes it's just a, a, a plain photo. And I guarantee you'll be able to go, oh, they're they're in something. They're doing something. That's in a film. Or you'll say, no, no, that must just be them at their house. And there's a very subtle but somehow noticeable, at least on an unconscious level, kind of stiffness that happens to actors when they act. And one of the things I wanted to say about rehearsals is two kinds of rehearsals. One is you're preparing for a specific role. The other is you're just working on your acting and in general. And one of the ways, if, if there's one thing to work on with working on your acting in general, it's trying to lose that very quality that they noticed, that there was a stiffness, there was a self-awareness, etc. And there are a couple of ways to do it. One of the best exercises I give people, and I, I, I think actors should do it all the time, is every chance you can, at least for you know half an hour a day, pick up some reading material. You could be reading the sports page and read it as if it's supposed to sound like it's coming out of your mouth, your own. Mm. Wow. So if you're reading a, you know, you could be in class doing a book on, on science. Well, and if it's about photosynthesis, pretend you're in a movie and you're in a car and someone turns to you and says, Doctor, what exactly is photosynthesis? And instead of saying photosynthesis is a process where you say, you try to say, well, photosynthesis is a process that and you try to make it sound like you're a person talking about photosynthesis it's coming out of your mouth same thing if you read the sports page read the sports page and pick a section and say i'm going to do this like this is a scene in a movie well what happened at the fight and bang you go he was in the fourth round he came out swinging he looked as if and say it as if you are talking to somebody describing what happened in that fight instead of saying in the fourth round of the fight and, and sounding that way. And what you end up doing is it's the same thing you're doing with your muscles when you're, you know, practicing dance or practicing yoga or something. You're loosening yourself up. You're trying to not have that stiffness. Does that make sense? Totally. And just by reading like that all the time, don't forget, the very first auditions you have are called a reading. You know, you read for a role. So sometimes the very act of reading itself, I have paper, I have words, it becomes a kind of weird, almost school-like situation, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on the spot, instead of it being real life. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can make reading sound like um, real life, the better. 
And that's one of the best little pieces of general acting rehearsal you can do all the time. Do it aloud. Don't have to scream it, but just do it aloud. Try it when you pick up the newspaper, pick up anything that's in front of you. My acting classes, I hand somebody something. Boom. Read it. Try to sound believable. Now, sometimes it'll be hard because of the nature of the language. You know, in written language might be. I have, I'm sitting here. There's a New Yorker article in front of me, and it's on Saul Bellow. It just came out this week. And I look at the first paragraph, and the first sentence, the sentence my eye falls on is, recognition magnifies idiosyncrasies. That's one sentence. Now, that's a pretty mouthful kind of odd sentence. But instead of you go, well, if, as if you asked me, well, what do you, what, what do you think Bellow's you know, issues were as right? I said, well, you know, here's this. Recognition magnifies idiosyncrasies. That's what it does. Instead of going, Recognition magnifies idiosyncrasies. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And if I can get used to taking written material and making it sound like it's coming out of my mouth right now, it's coming out of my mouth right now, that is a big step in your abilities as an actor. And it's ending and loosening up that quality that they might be picking up on. When you watch a batter get up, what are they doing? They are not tensing. They look ridiculous. Why do you think they're chewing gum and chewing tobacco? Why are they spitting and scratching and pumping their neck and doing weird little things and chewing gum and, and scratching their balls and tossing their bats around and, you know, um, uh, uh, hula hooping their hips? They're doing all that shit to try to stay loose and try to be open and loose, open and loose. And it's a constant battle. You can be a champion, and still you're trying to loosen yourself. So that's really what should happen. And, you know, when the people are tensing, it's, it's going to be a, a totally, totally different thing. Preparation should untense you. That's the purpose of preparation. Preparation should not make you more tense. And if preparation makes you more tense, it's better not to do any fucking preparation and have a cocktail, for fuck's sake. I mean, if that's going to help. Seriously. Right. Um, I mean, obviously not. I don't think you should walk and smell like booze. But you know what I'm saying. At all costs, don't tense yourself up. Mm-hmm. And so much of being an actor is really, really just getting yourself in a condition where you don't stiffen, tighten, and look different in acting than you are in reality. If you wanted to talk about method acting and the very baseline thing of it, it's that. It's try not to look, you know, look more like you're being than like you're kind of acting and showing and doing. And that takes a lot of work. It doesn't end. Like I said, the greatest batters still have to redo that and 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 re-loosen themselves when they get up there. So I think that that's a good way actually to think of preparation and to think of even rehearsal as it's a kind of uh, loosening yourself. It's an opening yourself. I always go back to this. I'm sure I've said it before with you because it's something I say all the time. If I had to shrink acting down to one word, all acting had to come down to one a one word lesson. The lesson, the word for me would be openness. And you can't be stiff and be open. And what I mean by that is, if I said to you right now, uh, I want you to think of the last ten movies you saw, you wouldn't stiffen your body. You would actually become quite loose. You'd lean back and be like, 
uh, of the last ten movies I saw. Uh, I saw this because you're trying to receive the knowledge. You're trying to receive the memory. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. The same would be true if I asked you to, if I said, do me a favor, I want you to name five sounds you can hear where you are, or eight sounds you could hear where you are. You would have to kind of chill out, open your body, be very, very receptive. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So openness and receptivity are actually the same kind of thing. When you're open, you're more receptive. And and that's what you want to be. The condition, the great condition of acting is the openness and a receptivity. You're open to the flashes you're getting from the other actor. You're open to the reality that's happening around you. You're open to the crackle that's in the room. You're open to the little teeny um, spikes and movements of the electromagnetic energy that's in the room and in your skin and in your partner's eyes. And the way to do that is to cultivate an openness you know it's not to force and squeeze and do all that other preparatory shit it's it's preparation is about opening up and i think that that's something that's really hard to do in public (laughs) you got to be a pro to be open in public because most people are scared you know greatness is the ability to be a human being at a time when anybody, everybody else would be something less than that. Right. And so, yeah, it's really hard to be in a Broadway show, opening night, the critics are watching, and you have to look like a human being that's uh, behaving in a certain way. So, yeah, it's really, really hard to get rid of all of those nerves and to undo that stiffness, which is why you should be practicing all the time to try to undo stiffness in your muscle memory. That makes sense? Yeah. That your muscle memory, all the time, you're trying to look right. So watch for that stiffness. Pick up something. Read. Sound natural. Sound natural. Sound natural. Sound natural. If you have certain mannerisms where you always kind of squeeze your forehead or something or do a certain thing when you're nervous. In my book, I call it a gutter ball. You know, everybody has these little things like when they do it too far and you lose that kind of sweet spot ease and something kind of happens in your body and some people get one way and do something some people squeeze some parts of their body pay attention to that watch that watch that watch that watch that you know think of the athlete getting ready to bath and the athlete when they're good are reactive they're waiting for the ball to come (laughs) you know they're not thinking about hitting they're not just thinking i'm going to cream that fucking ball they are reactive. They are waiting and saying, I gotta cat- I've got to see this thing coming at me. I've got to be ready for this thing that's coming at me, rather than just kind of forcing and tensing and squeezing their body. So actually, athletics is a really, um, a very, very good kind of metaphor and thing to kind of carry over into the notion of, of acting. And I think general preparation as an actor that that's really a lot of it. And if you read Stanislavski, and he was such a dreadful writer, Stanislavski, that a lot of people know of him, but they haven't read him. Well, I've read him. I have literally read every single word I knew Stanislavski to have written. And it's not easy. I doubt if, you know, I doubt if his wife read everything he wrote. But anyway, because he was a very sort of turgid and slightly kind of bombastic writer. 
I read I read the first book and then an I actor read, prepares. Yeah, and then I tried to read like a book that was like an amalgamation of everything. Oh, you better, read. but like I mean, you read a marathon. <laughs> you you read it. You I mean, him as a writer, you'll put a bullet in your head. I mean, it's just yeah. Horrible. But in any case, but what I found was in really trying to follow his career and really what he was studying and how he was studying it, it all began with one major thing. What he noticed was that the actors that he liked had a similar thing that they were doing with their body. And he ended up calling it sort of the creative state. But what he what he had what he noticed was there was a kind of physical ease that the better actors had. And that's how the method begins. It doesn't begin with emotion. It begins with him saying, wait a minute. Every actor that's really good is doing all the things that I'm talking about here. This kind of, they look like they're really sitting. They don't look like they are um, sitting in a movie (laughs) or sitting in a play. They look like they're really walking. And they look like they're really talking and saying lines that they are saying rather than reading. And a lot of that begins with a certain approach that you end up kind of getting in your body. You know, you get it in your body, which is this is how to sound. This is how to be open. This is how to be ready. Just the same way a batter cultivates that kind of openness and sensitivity. And so I think it's one of the most important things you can be doing in the next, not working on character, not working on anything. Work on this. Now, it's very subtle. It's it's very subtle watching yourself and saying, hmm, do I sound like acting? Yeah. Um, do I look like I'm acting? If someone I always said, look, just always do the keyhole test. If somebody looked through the keyhole, would they say, oh, there, he's, there's someone doing a scene? They might even say, ooh, there's someone doing a very good acting scene. Or would they say, there's some guy who's like, saying terrible things to a lady named Stella <laughs> and, and, and is talking about her sister who came on a streetcar. You know what I mean? That's what you want. You want, to just, you want to just fool the person and say, that really looks like reality to me. And in order to do that, I just think it's more of a muscle memory act than people realize. And if you look at the early work of Lee Strasberg, all of the people that eventually became part of the actor's studio they all studied with Lee Strasberg privately. And Lee Strasberg spent hours doing what he called kind of relaxation stuff and getting people to you know move more realistically. And there's a dialectical relationship between concentration and relaxation. And one of the exercises Strasberg did was he'd say to actors, okay, all I want you to do is room full of 10 actors. I just want you to walk around. Just keep walking in various patterns to walk with each other. Don't bump each other. Just walking, walking, walking. And if you looked at it, it looked like, well, there's probably actors doing some kind of stupid exercise. Then he'd say, I'd like you to, you know, walk. And he'd ask them to try to remember something. He'd ask them to try to remember, you know, the name of every single one of their teachers in order, first and last name from the time they were in kindergarten. And then he'd ask them to walk and keep walking while doing that. And the second way, it looked much, much, much more natural mm-hmm. because they were actually kind of, their brain was really engaged in something, and so it did something to their body. But there's a dialectical relationship. Yes, if I'm concentrating, my body reacts 
in a certain way. But what I have found is if you get your body to do a certain thing reactively, it looks absolutely like you really are concentrating, even if you may not be. And one of the things I found working a lot in television is, you know, television actors do no preparation on anything. They have the script. They don't, you know, they've been doing this for five fucking years. They do 26 episodes uh, a, a year. They, it's 17 hours a day. It's a lot of money, but it's also a lot of work. And they get to where they can just, boom, retrieve the muscle memory of what it is to both be the character and be in a very tight moment. I just two weeks ago did, I've done a recurring role on Major Crimes. TV show um, as a judge, Judge Grove, and this was my third time back. And Mary McDonald is the the lead of that, and she is a wonderful actress. And you know, was I think like twenty years a, a resident actress at the Long Wharf Theater in in Connecticut, which in those days was still is to a degree, but in those days was really one of the very very best regional theaters. Um, and so she's a real creature of the theater, a great actress. And you just watch her just go, okay, it's time to shoot. And then, boom, this muscle memory of reality hits her. And she doesn't look like she's, she hadn't written anything in her script. She's not asking to do any acting exercises. She doesn't do any warm-ups. She just goes, boom, and she's in that state. And I think a lot of it is is actually muscle memory, the way it is for an athlete. You know, mm-hmm. but But pay attention to the physical aspects of that. A lot of times what people tell you to do to prepare is not going to relax you. It's actually kind of making you kind of weird and tense and getting you more self-conscious and more nervous and more ginned up. And it looks, it always looks to me like a fake energy, that kind of actor warm-up energy. Right. And it doesn't help receptivity. It really doesn't. And be receptive, that kind of you know, I think the most important thing your acting work can do is put you in a condition where you're reactive to something, to, to reality. Mm-hmm. The reality of the scene, the reality of the words, the reality of the person, you're reactive to it. You're open to it. You're open, 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 open there. And that's very different than some of this kind of squeezing, tensing, making too nervous you know, and it actually it looks more like acting than anything. Where sometimes, when you don't do that, it looks a lot better. I mentioned something that I did in my acting book, um, which I did years ago. It was one of, you know the first time I used a camera because it was a long time ago, and I had a table, and I had a camera, and it's like a video camera. And I asked actors to do various things, and I was playing around with it. And I began to notice stuff, and I said to one actor, I want you to go up and laying on this table is your brother who's dead in the morgue. And walk from afar, come up to the camera, look, stand there for half a minute, looking at him, looking at the tragedy of it, and turn and leave. Great. And I had a feeling that this was going to happen. And then later on, I said he did it, and it was typical kind of too much stuff. And I said, uh, do me a favor, I'm just looking at, I'm, I'm just trying to get something with the lighting. Oh, I, I don't act or anything. Just stand in front of the table and I just need to see you. And just while you stand here, just like look at like the little paint chips on the table. Like see all the little white marks, count them. Just do that. Do something very simple like that and then walk away. I'm just trying to test the lens. And he did that. Well, I showed the footage, both of those takes, to the next class. 
And I said, all I want you to do is vote. This is a man walking up and looking at his mother, brother in a morgue. Which take was better? And everybody said the second take was better. And all he was doing was counting the paint chips. Do you understand what I mean? Because because his body was his body was real. He wasn't, he wasn't showing anything. He was standing there, kind of blank, looked like he was really, really, really looking at something. Right. And everybody thought it was compelling. For years, I actually had that 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 footage was on VCR of stuff, but I, I don't I I haven't laid eyes on it in a while. I might still have it somewhere, but it was one of the most amazing things to me. And what I realized that rela- a certain kind of ease and relaxation reads to an audience like reality in a way that oh, I'm thinking of the character to beat the band really reads like acting. I uh, I did a print ad for Columbia. Uh, a couple of years ago, and during it was like a full day of shooting. It was just supposed to be print stuff. And at the beginning of the at the beginning of the day, there was this guy who had like one of those DSLRs that shoots video. Yeah. And uh, it was like right when they first came out. So I was like, I asked him briefly like what he was doing, and he was like, Oh, I'm just gonna like be shooting some video or whatever. And I kind of didn't even I just ignored him for the rest of the day. I didn't even realize he was there. And it turns out that they cut that into – luckily, this was before I was in the union. They cut it into, like, a commercial that they played at the stores, at the Columbia stores and the malls and stuff. And I saw it. And, the, and they, it, if I could act that well. That's it. That's it. So you see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. my view is, why don't we make rehearsal that? In other words, why isn't rehearsal – trying to cultivate that. And the reason I say muscle memory and want you to think about that is I can't get my brain to be very cooperative. It just is not a cooperative mechanism. It's, it moves in a very involuntary way, and it's also a little fucked up and twisted, the brain. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's trying to make you fail or... <laughs> Right. Sure. Think you don't deserve something, or sure, it's sure. playing old records, and you know the brain is just a pretty hard thing to a hundred percent trust, unless it's a logical task, in which case it's fine. But my body is an extraordinarily obedient thing. If I say I'm going to take my in- right index finger and touch it to my ear right now, God damn it, I'm going to do it. So I can get my body to do things that I can't get my brain to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of acting training is you're trying to train your brain to do something. Your brain is not going to be cooperative. Mm-hmm. But I can get my body to be cooperative. And then sometimes what happens is when my body's cooperative, then the brain sort of begins to follow the body. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah and absolutely. muscle memory is a very easy thing to to work on. I was doing something with an actor uh, a while ago. And it was a scene for a film. And he had a, to have a kind of a breakdown moment. And I was the, I think, a shrink of some kind. And I had my hand on his arm and was trying to kind of talk to him and calm him and whatever. And my thing was about empathy and not really requiring a lot. But I could feel his arm. And he was so like a rock. And we did it time and time. I could see he wanted to really pop. He really wanted to break down. And I normally would not have done this. 
But I actually remembered something from my book, which I'll tell you in a second. And right before one take, I whispered to her and said, I can feel your arm, you're tense as fuck. Try to beat your arm like jelly when you do this. And, okay, action, boom. And it was like magic. Because he let his arms loosen, and by letting his arms loosen, his body loosen, and all of a sudden, that pent-up thing just, bam. And sure enough, it was a wave of such real emotion. And what I thought of was, I, I mentioned something in my acting book about um, Ted Williams, when he was at his last bat, and if he got a hit, he would have broken 400, which was a, one of the great moments in sports. But he was very, very tense. And actually, the umpire, you know, at his last bat when he was so tense, sweeping the plate, this old umpire bent down. He said, you know, you're not going to hit 400 if you don't loosen up. And at that moment, it was like, yes, I'm too tense. And bang, he cracked it and he got 400. So I normally would not ever have given a note to an actor like that. Although I am a older, B I'm an acting teacher. C I got to know this guy and we really hit it off and we were you know pals. So I knew it wasn't an untoward, inappropriate thing. I certainly would have been very careful to never do that in 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 most situations. But I had a hunch, and it was this very simple thing that sometimes when you remind somebody, would you stop squeezing? Will you stop tensing? Will you open yourself? Just be open, and boom. They do, and then all of that pent up stuff comes comes out. I, I I've, I'm sure I've said this a thousand times because it's one of these fucking things I say over and over and over again. Emotion is the end of tension. That's what real emotion is. It's not made through tension. Emotion is the end of tension. Right. It's it's done by it's been building up, and now boom, it just fucking loosens, and it all comes out everywhere. And that's why when people in restaurants, they say, would you stop making a scene? I don't care. I, really, I don't care that I make a scene in a restaurant. I don't give a shit. It's, it's like I'm puking. Who cares? Sorry, can't help it. Puke, puke, puke. Yeah. And that's what real emotion is. But for a lot of actors, emotion is much, feels much more like squeezing, tensing, 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 tensing. But that's not what real emotion is. And one of the things I mentioned in my book is every term we have for emotion is about loosening and opening. I broke down. I fell apart. I lost it. I spilt my guts. You know, I, I, I remember when I read that, that piece in your book for the first time, I thought back to, uh, I, I was in the, basically like the middle of a breakup. I thought I was really good. You know, I thought I was really doing well. And then I remember this so clearly. I was, I came, I was walking across my bedroom and it just hit me. And I just lost all like, all of my muscles at once, completely involuntarily, just went to jelly. And I just sat on my bed, yeah. just a puddle of shit. Yeah, and I think you can depend more on cultivating the jelly, <laughs> you know. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you're – it's not about relaxation. What it is, it's about letting go. And even that, we want people to let go of emotion. We say, if you let go, the emotions are going to come. I mean, all of these kind of terms that that we would use, you know, the difference between holding on to something or, you know, just letting go of something. And so while I can't make my brain let go, I just can't. It's just too, you know, it's too much of a maze and it's yeah. too... 
It's too undependable. I could tell my brain a million different things. It doesn't mean it's going to change very much. But I really can get my body to obey. And so I just say, if you work on getting your body to obey, chances are your brain will come along. That is not necessarily true with with working in the reverse. The more your brain... Look, heavy brain activity does not loosen your body. Do your fucking taxes. Fill out a difficult form. You know, Take a hard test. Afterwards, your body is not in any great state of relaxation. Yeah. And that's often the way you can feel after a shitty rehearsal. You know, that you've been... Your brain is working on something in such a heavy way that your body just feels so miserable. Yep. You know, and of course, then actors want to go out and drink and fucking do drugs or try to loosen themselves up in some form or another. So I say rehearse to get some muscle memory of openness, some muscle memory of reactivity, um, being reactive, and the same thing with reading. You know, people people don't read very much. They don't read aloud very much. There are a lot of actors that never read aloud unless they're at a rehearsal. It's such a basic thing. Like, like it'd be like saying about a a, a trumpet player. Well, I never do. I, I only. I, why would I play trumpet if there's not an audience? You know, I mean, work on it. Right. The same kind of stiffness that can be in your body can be in your reading mechanism. And one of the best ways to do it is you just keep picking something up and really try it. Say, if somebody heard, and, and it's a challenge, because sometimes, you know, it's really difficult stuff. You know, it may be complex and very written, but keep working on it. Keep working on it. I do it all the time in my classes, and classes hate it at first. Because it's really hard to do. Because you read it and you go, I sound so much like I'm reading. Yeah. (laughs) But when you get better at it and better at it and better at it and better at it, then you're getting the muscle memory of saying, when I speak words, just because they're prepared for me and I'm reading them, they're coming out of my mouth. And they're coming out of my mouth like I mean them. And I get used to doing that and used to doing that. So that when you go into an audition, even if you're nervous, your body and your muscle memory is kind of cooperating in a way. So this isn't even necessarily, this isn't the rehearsal for a role. This is how you can rehearse getting better at an, as an actor just all the time. Yeah. And, and the elimination of that very thing, when you first started telling me, I just wrote down stiff. Absolutely. That's, yep. the, that's the condition. And what Stanislavski noticed was when actors are good, they're not doing that. So what Stanislavski did was he did a lot of work on all of the other things that go into that stiffness. But he's Russian and annoying, and from New Jersey, uh, I'm from New Jersey, and he's kind of bombastic about stuff. And being from New Jersey, I had a kind of more, well, wait a minute. How about you just try to be less stiff and see what that does for you? And I actually found that it, it, it kind of helps tremendously. Just to put you in a mode where you're much more apt to be kind of um, open to something, you know, physically. So undo the stiffness uh, with your body and with muscle memory and undo the stiffness uh, that can be sounding in your um, voice mm-hmm. and in your reading by, by trying to get used to picking up. I can pick up anything and do my best to make it sound like it's coming out of my mouth right you know and it doesn't matter what it is 
You know, it could be, even if you have to give yourself a reason, you know, I'm working on a book now on Shakespeare. And if I'm working on Shakespeare, I say, well, I'm reading this to someone. So you, this girl, whoever that you broke up with, you said, well, I found this passage of Shakespeare. And you knock on her door and she opens the door. And you're going to say this to her. Uh-huh. It's Shakespeare's words. But you're going to look her in the eyes. And you're going to say this and she's going to know that it might be Shakespeare, but it's coming from you. And you're going to say it. In that way, right? You see what I'm saying? Yep. And I practice that way. Even it, you can even do it with Shakespeare. Do it with anything. You read. I look. You you live in Chicago. Everybody reads the sports page in Chicago. Dogs read the sports page in Chicago. So when you read the sports page, try it and say you're in a scene. And Robert Nier turns to you and says, "Well, what happened last night at the fights? Oh, first round. He comes out. He looks at the guy." The crowd is going nuts. Do it like you're really having a conversation with De Niro in the back of a taxi cab rather than, it was the bottom of the seventh. And everybody at the blah, 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 you know, and that has that kind of written sound. Right. When you first do it, you'll think this is so fucking hard. Yeah. But eventually you can get really, really good at it. Because there, there is this sort of like reading as if you're reading a story. Like you can be a good reader of a story, but it doesn't Absolute. sound like it's. Absolutely. It sound like it's coming off the top of the head. Right, and that has a different quality. And there are times that you, you know, you do, you can have that sort of read, sort of book on tape quality. Right. But we don't want somebody to think that they're making up the book on tape as they're going along. You know, we want them to be reading it to us. That's very different. But the kind of reading I'm talking about, you know, is something where out of you, you know, trying to make the words sound like they are really coming out, that I'm making it up um, as as it happens. Right, right. Do you know what All Involved is? All Involved? Yeah. This novel set in Los Angeles in 1992. No. Um Chronicles of Six Days Riot after the Rodney King verdict. Okay. Um, the action takes place. What I just did, I'm reading something to you. I just read to you from the New Yorker <laughs> a small review of a book called All Involved that begin. It says this novel, set in Los Angeles in 1992, chronicles the six days of riots after the Rodney King verdict. Which is how I would read to you if you said, "Do me a favor, read me that thing from the New Yorker." But when I first did it, I was trying to make it sound like, okay, he's talking about some novel, and I'm explaining the novel. Do you see what I mean? There was, an, there was not an iota of my being the thought that you weren't just telling me something. Right, right. And that's what you're after. Something along, I mean, again, you know, it's not, this isn't world perfection, but you're trying to do that, basically. And I'm not kidding. Get the New Yorker, read it. I'm telling you, that's what I was reading. And I was just kind of doing this with you right now, sort of mind-fucky, but practice it. You know, it's just like any exercise. It's only it's only going to help, 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 and see if that begins to yield anything. You know, and if nothing else, I do think that muscle memory gives you tremendous confidence. It really does, because you know, hey, look, <laughs> I may not be perfect every time, but I know that I have some real good muscle memory that's often going to serve me even on automatic pilot. Yep, and that's a great thing to feel. When you're going into an audition, that you may go, look, I may not be, have, I may not be sublime today, and the gods may not be with me today, but I do know this: 
I'm going to look like a person. I'm going to look like I'm sitting in a chair. And when I say the lines, I'm going to look like I know that I'm talking to another human being, that they're coming out of my mouth right now. Thank you for listening to Action. If you like this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about me, go to lee-foster.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-F-O-S-T-E-R.com. Click the Notes to an Actor link in the upper right-hand corner to find out more or to purchase Ron Morosco's book. I cannot recommend it enough.